the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. He's spent over 40 years in and around the restaurant industry. He's been an owner and an operator. He's a member of the Colorado Restaurant Hall of Fame. For over 30 years, his radio shows have been keeping you updated on the ever-changing Colorado restaurant scene, where he invites you to join him, both on the air and for meals at area restaurants. He's Mike Boyle, and this is The Restaurant Show. I'm Mike Boyle, and this is the Restaurant Show on Newstalk 710 KNUS. It is a fall Saturday, October 14th. You know what? It was 25 degrees at my house when I woke Not in the house. I've got the heater on. It was 25 degrees at the house this morning in Castle Rock. And did you just hear the forecast? It's going to be 82 degrees, low 80s on Tuesday. If you don't like the weather in Colorado, just wait a day or two. It will change. What a week it's been. Can you believe that our Broncos lost two games in the course of 100 hours, just a couple hours over four days? Yeah, got beat by the Jets last Sunday. Got beat by the Chiefs on Thursday. Well, at least tomorrow we can enjoy our day without wondering whether or not our Broncos are going to perform well. And this morning I got up, got up about 545, got ready to get out, get some exercise. Bailey, the Mexican street dog, was with me and uh, met one of my neighbors. And we've got a nice long course that we power walk periodically. And we were on it, and I met him. And we got started, we came together, you know, he lives in a different part, but he walks a little bit, I walk a little bit, we come together. And so we, you know, after you exchange the greetings, hi, how are you? Nice and cool today for a brisk walk. How about those CU buffs? And he said, oh man, he said, I went to bed after halftime, 29 to nothing. They must have absolutely smashed them. (laughs) I said, Ron... They got beat in double overtime, and you, I I mean, it was all I could do to convince him that uh, that's what took place. Boy, I feel so horrible. Four and three, and of their last five games, four are against ranked opponents, UCLA, Utah, Oregon State, Washington State. Oh, come on, Dion. Let's see if we can bring them out. We were having so much fun 
sellout crowd. Those poor people, double overtime, game started at day 20. Those poor people didn't get back home until 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. 303-696-1971. All right, um, got a fun show planned for you today. Nelson DeMille and his son Alex, very good writers. Very pro- Nelson is a very prolific writer. He's got a number of books out. Alex is his son, who's actually a screenwriter and has collaborated with him on his last couple books. We're going to talk with them in the first hour. They've got a new book out. It's selling very well called Bloodlines. We're going to talk a little bit about that. In the next hour, we are going to talk with Warren Erbson, the official travel agent for the Mike Boyle Restaurant Show, because... When the temperatures go down to certainly 25, 30, 40, 50 in the evening, people start thinking about winter and where to get away. The phones blew up this week with people booking our January trip to Cabo. We're going to talk about that. And I'm going to talk about a book I read and a wonderful, wonderful afterthought. All that coming up on the Mike Boyle Restaurant Show. Mike, let me tell you about Mike Bagnall at Bagnall Carpet Cleaning Services. Been around for years. They do an absolutely wonderful job. You've heard the story. I got a dog. He made a couple messes. Mike came over. He said, we can take care of that. And he is now the official carpet cleaner of the Mike Boyle Restaurant Show. You can give him a call at 303-797-6400. That's 303-797-6400. It's Bagnall, B-A-G-N-A-L-L. And not only can they do your entire house, they can break it down to room by room. They can also do your cushions, your upholstery. They can do your drapes. They're a locally owned company, been around for years. They do a great, great job. And maybe if you got a tough stain, they might even be able to save that carpet. So give them a call. Bagnall Carpet Cleaning Services, 303-797-6400. 303-797-6400. And tell them you heard about it from Mike Boyle on The Restaurant Show. There are very few things you can count on in this life, but one thing is for certain. People will always be moving to our beautiful state, and they need a home. And people already here, well, they occasionally like to sell their home, move to a different part of town, get something a little bigger, maybe even downsize a little. You know, the kids are gone, have a garage sale, and get into something a little more manageable. And for whatever reason, we don't get it. Some people even want to sell their home and move away. But for whatever reason, you're going to need a good realtor. Why not choose somebody who has been around, has the experience, knows the market, and, most importantly, can get the job done? That's why at the restaurant show, Mike recommends you contact Rob or Carol Hoffman, the Hoffman Group with Kelly. Williams Realty. Rob and Carol have been doing this for over 30 years. Hot markets, soft markets, they've seen it all. So give them a call. 303-771-9500. Once again, that's 303-771-9500. Ask for Rob or Carol. Whatever your real estate needs, they can take care of you. Hey, buddy, it's Mike, and there's a new restaurant in Castle Rock I think you really ought to give a try. It's called the Courtyard Social. It's on Perry Street. It's owned and operated by a guy named Gary Mantelli. He's got a wonderful restaurant resume, a wonderful restaurant pedigree, and he has opened a place that I think that you might enjoy. You go there and you have a casual lunch, you have a casual dinner. He's got nice booths. You can have a special occasion. Active bar, and it's called Courtyard Social because it's got a beautiful courtyard, and I like 
it because it's a courtyard that can be set up at a moment's notice. You know what? We go from a cold day to a warm day here in Colorado. Then you can sit out on the patio. The food, ahi tuna nachos. I had a Reuben sandwich served on an everything bagel from Einstein's. He cuts prime rib every day for the French dip sandwich and plenty of other stuff as well. He's got an oyster bar. They've got brunch on Saturday and Sunday. It's called the Courtyard Social seven days a week. Give it a try. It's late and she's waiting And I know I should go home But every time I start All right, 14 minutes after 3 o'clock. Happy to have you aboard here on the restaurant show. A couple of things I did this week. I went to the View House restaurant in Colorado Springs. And... um, You know, we hold our book club meetings there, the restaurant show book club. Uh, Whenever Dennis Prager comes to town for a cigar night, we use the view house. But so it's not one of my go-tos because I've got to check out new places, got to go places I haven't tried before. But that doesn't mean I can't try something new. Um, They've got a 1350 pick two items for lunch menu. So on the left side of the menu, you might say, I'd like the French onion soup. I'd like the green chili. On the right side, you may say, I'll take the burger, the fish and chips. Well, when I was down, it was a beautiful day. We ate on the patio looking right at Pike's Peak. And the server, I said, you know, I I love the fish and chips. She said, why don't you try the Thai, T-H-A-I from Thailand, the Thai peanut butter sauce salad on a bed of white rice and I thought you know I probably wouldn't have ever ordered it but she was and this is why I believe that you really should interact with your server sure you can walk up to the bar and you can sit at the bar and say give me my Coors Banquet give me my martini with Grey Goose whatever you want but but I think that to interact with them, they're the ones that are at this restaurant. I said, you know what? She made that sound so enthusiastic. I'm going to have it. It was amazing. And then the manager came by and he said, oh, you're going to love that. I'm going to go get you some extra peanut butter sauce, peanut sauce, I guess I should say. And... um it was really, really good. I thought I would share that with you and just let you know that that next time you go to a View House restaurant, you might want to take a look. And for only thirteen fifty for lunch, you know, I think I'm going to actually talk about this tomorrow when I take your calls, ten o'clock until noon, three zero three six nine six nineteen seventy one. You know, I, I think that most of us. You know, maybe you can afford to go out and maybe you're not concerned about the price, but it seems like just about everything I see on the air right now, 50% off on a foot long sandwich from Subway, if it's the second sandwich or, or something, and two for six. And for five ninety nine, you get chicken nuggets with fries from KFC. And um, I saw a ten ninety nine three items from Chili's. I just saw an ad for Cracker Barrel, how they have 20 meals, and they showed every plate. It was big plates of food for under $12. So I think that we're all looking 
to maybe save a little bit wherever we can. If you can have a fabulous lunch at the View House for $13.50, I certainly would suggest taking a look at it. Another ad that's been popping up a lot, and I've said I don't watch network television, okay? I don't watch network news. I think they do a horrible job. I don't watch programming like The Masked Singer and Dancing with the Stars and those type of things. So maybe it's on those shows, maybe not. But on the cable I watch and on the sports that I've been watching, baseball playoffs, a little bit of football, Taco Bell has been, and and I hate the lines at Taco Bell if you try to get through the drive-through window. That's why I always park, I go in. Taco Bell is running ads for $2 burritos. And they've got one that's a Chipotle Ranch chicken burrito. They've They've got a couple of them with chicken. They've got one that's a veggie. They're $2. And I, I mean, it's not like I got in the car and went down there, but one day, about a week and a half ago, it's three o'clock in the afternoon, and it suddenly dawned on me I've been rushing around. I'm a little hungry. I didn't get a chance to eat lunch as much as I would like, because that's when I go out and check out a lot of these places. I pulled in and I got a couple of them. Use the hot sauce. You know, they got the mild, the hot, and the fiery. I go with the hot. And God, they were good for two dollars each. Four of them, uh, two dollars each, two for four dollars. So this week, same thing. I swung in and got them. And I'll just you. I know it's a restaurant show, and I know we're supposed to talk about prime age steaks, and we're supposed to talk about pairing a great bottle of wine with our with our wonderful salmon dinner. But you know what? I, you have my permission not that you needed it, to go to Taco Bell and get some of those $2 um, burritos. They were just really, really good. Um, You know, we've been doing a travel feature. We're going to feature that in the second hour. I took a couple of road trips this week. One was to a pizza place in Parker. Now you say, well, Mike, you live in Casserole. Yeah, but you know what? To go to Parker to a pizza place, I pass what, six, eight, ten, twelve pizza places on the way over? But I saw an article. I checked it out. I'm going to share that with you. And last Monday, Columbus Day, uh, I asked my neighbor, you want to take a ride to the mountain? So we loaded Bailey, the Mexican street dog, in the car. And we took off. And we went out 470 to 70, went up through Genesee, got a little bit of fall colors, went into Bergen Park, down through Evergreen, down through Kittridge. And uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about that trip as well, because, boy, we had a wonderful, wonderful meal at a place that I'll bet the locals know, but I'll bet you a lot of people on that I-70 corridor probably don't know about. So anyway, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. If I can get to it today, I will. If not, I will certainly get to it tomorrow between 10 o'clock and noon. All right, so let's do this. Let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, Nelson DeMille. Charm School, Plum Island, man, he writes some good, good books. Anyway, he is collaborating with his son on a book called Bloodlines that came out just earlier this week. I talked to Nelson and Alex. We're going to share them and their thoughts on the book when we come back on The Restaurant Show.
back to the Mike Boyle Restaurant, travel, movies, books, sports, whatever we feel like talking about show. Good news. Yep, Nelson DeMille and his son Alex have a new book out called Bloodlines. Just came out recently, a Scott Brody and Maggie Taylor novel. You know, I had somebody recently come up to me and say, Nelson DeMille, you've heard him on the air. You've had him on the air. I read The Charm School, and it was the best book I ever read. I remember when The Charm School was recommended to me, and I read it, and it just reeled me in. I thought I was sure that with you, Nelson, uh, don't you love hearing those words? Yeah, it's always good to hear. All right, so we've got Nelson DeMille, and we've got his son, Alex. Alex, we tried to get you on when you two came out, when you collaborated on a book called The Deserter, a standalone uh, novel that introduced us to Scott Brody and Maggie Taylor. Tell the listeners a little bit about your background, if you would, please. Sure, Mike. Thanks. Uh, So I... um my, I come from the, the film world. I was um, a director, a screenwriter, film editor at various times. And uh, you know, that's mostly my experience. You know, I grew up with my father writing books. I naturally, as I was a kid, I would, I would write short stories. I attempted a couple novels when I was too young to do it. Um, but my professional experience has mostly been from yeah, screenwriting uh, and film uh, editing and, and, a, and a little bit of film directing. And, and Nelson, you were, of course... Uh an Army veteran, Vietnam veteran. You've written uh, 22 novels. Um, But why don't you just refresh listeners a little bit about your background, if you would. I'd appreciate it. Yeah, I, you know, uh, I was a college kid back in the 60s, and one day I decided to join the Army before I even graduated college, and and I wound up, uh, long story short, I wound up as a... uh, officer with the 1st Cavalry Division in Vietnam, and uh, sort of thinking might not have been the best decision I ever made, but it was a great experience, and when I got back out of the Army and I went back to college, I, I always wanted to write about my experience. I think a lot of men who've been to war want to write about it. We have all these you know, great World War II novelists like Norman Mailer and James Jones, um, and that's what got me into the writing process, but I did a few things after college, which weren't writing. But I had, you know, living in New York, I had friends who were in the publishing business. And, yeah, long story short, I wound up writing a couple of police procedural paperbacks, which paid no money and didn't pay the rent. But they got me into the writing process. And in 1978, um, I wrote a book called By the Rivers of Babylon, my first hardcover. And um, I was very lucky. The thing really hit at the right time it was a Islamic terrorism novel back in 78 when almost nobody was writing about that. It was the beginning of uh, worldwide uh, Islamic terrorism. And the book, you know, became a bestseller. It was the book of the month for a main selection and all that. And I went from uh, went from impoverished writer to successful novelist. And um, 22 books later, I'm still, still at it. It's about Next year will be uh, 50 years since I began writing. Talking with Nelson Nelson DeMille and Alex DeMille, they have collaborated on a book called Bloodlines. It's recently out, and I'm sure it will be a bestseller, as have been many of those that have gone before. One of the things that I'm always a little bit amazed is that, and we've all done it, we've read a book, and then we've seen the movie, and 
we say, well, you know, the book and movie were different. The movie didn't quite follow the book. And I've always thought to myself, let me ask Nelson. Um, well, let me ask Alex. Alex is the guy with the film background. This is a book that is 495 pages. And one of the comments you made is that you're kind of the guy that, um, and, I, and I don't have the words right in front of me, but you're the film guy. Do you have to reel in your dad? Does he get a little verbose every once in a while? <laughs> what, are, what, are the what are the challenges of trying to take a 495-page book, not that this has been made into a movie yet, and condense it down into two hours, something like that? It's definitely challenging. You know, I mean, I've seen some, some, some movies, specifically that are almost too faithful. They try to pack everything in and they kind of lose the meaning because uh, they can't possibly do it. You know, I think it's a really, really hard thing to just still, you have to kind of get, you have to be, be faithful to, to the characters and the tone and the story without actually trying to pack in every single plot point um, and scene maybe. But for me, you know, when I first started writing, when we first started writing The Deserter, I was almost, because I was in the screenwriting, but I was almost making things a little too, like I would put a lot of ellipses in where you, you kind of wouldn't see how they, they went from this to that. And sometimes you need that. And I, I think my dad's books are, they feel real because you, you kind of flesh out, not necessarily happening in real time, but you're fleshing out what the characters are thinking and how, and how they are like get, getting from point A to point B in terms of their own thinking and, and, and the moments in the plot. So it, it was kind of a, kind of a meeting halfway almost uh, when we first started writing. And I think I kind of fell into, into his pacing, which I think is, is good. Um, yeah, it's a it's a long book, but I think it, you know, I think it justifies it. It's, it's length. There's a lot a lot that it, happens, and there's a lot going and, on. And, and I'm not criticizing the link. I've read plenty of long books. I've even read oh, books sure. without pictures in them. And so, <laughs> so, but I, I just and you know what? I think that it actually, poor Nelson. When I've had him on, he just never knows where these interviews are going to go. But. Um, <laughs> Do you every once in a while have to say, Dad, you got a little verbose here? Um, <laughs> do you do you ever – because, look, I've got a daughter, and she never hesitates to criticize me. Do you every once in a while have to say to your dad, tranquilo, amigo, we got to slow this down a little bit? <laughs> well, there, there's been a couple times actually with um, – specifically with action scenes where – I would write yes. something, and he said he actually said to me, "You've you've rushed this." Not, not meaning didn't use enough words, but but like there's moments here that you're you're kind of skipping over. Um, this is a mo this is an emotional moment right here. What's happening? This is a this is a tactical moment where they have to make a choice that we're not kind of sitting in for a second to see how they think, which actually makes the whole thing more exciting and more tense. So there have been times where I was yeah again in screenwriter mode, and he kind of flushed it out more. Other times, uh, again, a lot of this is scene setting, you know. Um, you're, you're, you're flying into a foreign country. You know, you don't always want to talk about if you're going from, you know, you're going from Denver to, to, to Newark. Maybe you don't want to talk about the Newark airport uh, for that long. But <laughs> when, when, you're, when you're dealing with a foreign country and you're, you're kind of going to go through into a different culture uh, on a mission, there, there, there's things that happen. There, there's, there's, there's plot points, there's suspense and tension that, um, you, yeah, you, you, kind of, you kind of need to pull out to, to make the thing feel uh, to feel real, you know, this is not the kind of book. A lot of books, they they have you know, three-page chapters, and there's like a hundred chapters in the book, and that that's its own thing. And that, that those can be really fun reads. But this is kind of 
a different uh, different style thriller into there. Well, and I think I think that that's what makes the books good that you have written, Nelson, and you two have written together, is because the story is supposed to transport us from our day-to-day mundane lives, but it can also transport us geographically. When I was a GI in Germany, we weren't allowed to go to Berlin. And so when I read this book, it kind of transported me to Berlin and um, to the divided city and to the wall coming down and so forth. One other thing, and I think that we're going through this today, um, a lot has been made about text messages, voicemail, uh, all forms of electronic communication. I recently had a meeting with a guy, and he said, well, we could just do this via email. We could do it. And I said, no, I'd like to take you to lunch because I wanted to see his reaction to what I was going to propose. And as a movie writer, Alex, facial expressions are a big part of the story that you're telling, whereas Nelson, when you're writing a book, whether it's an action scene or somebody's reaction to some circumstance, you've got to make sure that the reader understands what that person's going through. And either one or both of you are welcome to address that. Am I completely making too much of? Am I making too much of this? No, I, I no, I totally understand. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm the same way with meetings. I'm you know, I'm tired of meetings on the phone. I want to. You know, if you want to make somebody uncomfortable, take them to lunch and look them in the eye. And or if you want to, you know, woo somebody, it's the same thing. It's, you know, it's just a whole generation out there. Some people have never even met each other, and they've been doing the business for years. But when you're writing a novel, you know, when you're writing a screenplay, and then Alex will agree, uh, you're writing the dialogue, and the dialogue has to carry the whole story. It's the actors and the director and the cinematographers and and the mood music is going to all fill in uh, those scenes that, that are on the page. Uh, usually one page is about one minute of uh, screen time. Uh, with a novel, there's nobody there but you, and you got to do the whole thing. You have to be your cinematographer, your audio person, and your actor, and you've got to be the director, and you are the producer of this novel, and you got to create the entire world uh, yeah, so if you, you know, you're in Newark Airport, uh, a couple of lines about Newark Airport would be sufficient. If anybody's been there, you don't want to know too much about it. But if you're flying to Berlin, uh, that's a little bit different. You want to milk the scene. Some scenes need to be milked, some scenes need to be chopped. And uh, these are decisions you have to make every day. And if you don't make the right decision, it's okay, you have a second shot at it because you're reading it again and again. The third shot. And finally, at the end of the day, you come up with a... back, Nelson DeMille and Alex DeMille. I want to welcome back listeners. We're talking about their new book out called Bloodlines. It is a Scott Brody, Maggie Taylor novel. And I suppose at some point we should talk about the book as opposed to all of that that goes into uh, writing a book and shortening it and lengthening it here. We've all, we've all, Nelson and Alex, I'm sure we'll all agree that uh, we've all read a book that had a five- page fist fight and after about page three you said okay let's get on with this and uh, 
So um, I don't know if we've solved anything, but we certainly have had an interesting discussion about it. All right, so in their new collaboration, the DeMilles ingeniously intertwine the realms of espionage, terrorism, and political intrigue that will keep readers guessing until the last page. All right, who wants to talk a little bit about the plot line? And I would also like to talk a little bit about the challenges of writing a novel in this day and age with circumstances changing so quickly, the rush to write it, get it published, get it distributed, do the interviews, get the sales started before the circumstances either take place or have taken place and moved on. So uh, who wants to talk a little bit about the plot? Uh, I think that's my job. That's my job, usually. Um, So Bloodlines is is a murder mystery. Uh, Scott Brody and Maggie Taylor are U.S. Army CID special agents, basically detectives who work on crimes involving uh, the U.S. Army. Uh, they learn that one of their colleagues who's stationed near Frankfurt in western Germany is found dead in uh, a park in Berlin in a neighborhood called Nikon, where there's a lot of older Turkish immigrants, but also a big influx of um, Arab refugees from Syria and Libya and all the different um, conflict zones. Uh, And so a lot of the people that were refugees that were taken by Germany are in this specific neighborhood of Berlin, um, and a colleague of theirs is found dead. He was shot by by a sniper. And the obvious assumption is this is probably an act of uh, Islamic terrorism. Um, it's kind of a powder keg politically. There's, there's all these competing interests, German intelligence, American intelligence, FBI, State Department, et cetera, coming together to work on this. Um, but Scott Brody and Maggie Taylor kind of being kind of mavericks who think outside the box, start to see something about this case that nobody else is willing to see, um, kind of end up going in their own direction and start, starting un- uncovering an entirely different and much larger conspiracy that ties into the history of the Cold War, uh, the Stasi secret police, and also the burgeoning um, kind of reborn, uh, reinvigorated neo-Nazi movement that's happening in Germany right now. Where did the idea come from? Uh, I, I like the idea of the murder mystery and also the kind of doing something with espionage and, and intrigue in Berlin. I mean, that's a classic setting for that kind of thing. Um, Dad, you can, you can talk about this too, but for me, it was it was... Um, all these different elements of the history of, of World, World War II and, and the Cold War in Germany and Berlin in, specific, in particular and challenges of the refugee crisis and how to kind of weave all these things together in a way that, you know, the, the history is interconnected. It doesn't really happen in episodes. You know, it's a whole, it's a continuum that never ends. And, and I think that for me, finding ways to find these interesting connections and weave them all together into this bigger mystery was, I thought it would be an interesting challenge and, and I thought a totally uh, entertaining uh, story. Well, and it was yeah, and I left, right, I up, a lot of right up to the end. Sorry. Go ahead, Nelson. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was going to, Alex said uh, I could um, give my thought. And my thought was that the plot was so, uh, it, it, this is all Alex's plot. I'm going to put this, put this on him. Um, my plots tend to be a little bit simpler and linear. I don't do a lot of twists and turns, when I, but I, I do them, but I'm not, you know, I like linear plots. But Alex has got a different a different approach to it. And he was able to, you know, make this multi-layered and also put the twists and turns in there and the surprises. So the he, he was the plotter on this book. 
and he also did a lot of the research. He and I have both been to uh, Germany and to Berlin a number of times, uh, so we kind of, we kind of knew the territory. And uh, you know, when you're researching a book, you're, you're learning stuff. It's like writing a term paper. I didn't know this much about the neo-Nazi movement. I didn't know about these uh, immigrant neighborhoods, these uh, uh, Muslim uh, immigrant neighborhoods. And I'm, I'm, I was learning too. I was learning from Alex while he was sending me the uh, the chapters. And uh, I found it intriguing, and I was able to get myself into, you know, the book and, uh, you know, add. My, my my job in the book was the Army stuff, because I was an Army vet, and Alex hadn't been in the Army, but uh, the Army stuff was mostly from me, how they speak to each other, you know, the chain mm-hmm. of command and the protocols and that type of thing. So I think it was just a good and happy, you know, happy and serendipitous coming together of uh, two different minds with two different sets of knowledge, so to speak. And we were able to, you know, uh, fuse a book together. So writing, co-authoring is very, very tough. It's, it's more difficult than writing by yourself. Um, and if you have the wrong co-author, things go wrong. And that's happened to me. But when you get the right co-author, you, you know it. You respect each other. And at the same time, you realize that uh, every every both opinions are valid. You just have to come up with, you know, well, sometimes I had to give them to Alex, sometimes he gave them to me. At the end of the day, you know, we gave it to the editor, and the editor sees something totally different, which is one of the frustrations of the business, that after you spent a year and a half on the book, uh, you give it to an editor's reading it, and, you know, 16 hours maybe uh, after I put in 16 months, and they're coming up with some criticisms. But some of them are valid, too. So, you know, it was a, it was a process, but... Uh, so far, so good. Uh, we got good early reviews, and uh, the book is actually selling well. We we've gotten some sales figures already. I, I think that I think that you said something interesting there, um, Nelson. I think that a non-veteran can read your book and enjoy it thoroughly. But I think that a veteran, when it comes to the way they talk in the military and the way they interact in the chain of command. I think that you need to keep that reasonably accurate or else you will lose a listener. Um, Nelson, I'm going to ask you, um, and Alex, I would like you to weigh in. How much of you, Nelson, how much of your dad, Alex, is Scott Brody? Mike, you asked me that same question about my other Well, and be careful how you answer because you you probably have a family (laughs) dinner coming up soon, so be careful. Right. Well, John Corey, my other character, my other series, the John Corey series, is a total total wise guy, and he's totally sarcastic, and he's sometimes sometimes sexist and sometimes ageist, and you name it. He's politically incorrect to the nth degree. Um, But this character, I let. Alex, Alex is a little more progressive and sensitive than me, maybe, and uh, he kind of toned down uh, you know, the wise guy stuff. The military could be, you know, the military guys can be very, very funny. Uh, yes. The GI humor is just world, world renowned. I loved it. Like, I loved like, it when like I was there. Absolutely, yes. Right. I mean, you but could be in the most incredibly that. bad circumstances, and you'd look at each other and say, and and somebody would say something funny. You know what I mean? So I understand. I know. I I just told that story one time in Vietnam. We were we were getting shot at, and so incoming grenades and on board of the whole thing. And one guy says, one guy yells out, he says, "Is this a training exercise or is it for real?" 
<laughs> but, uh, but what else are you going to say? I mean, uh, this is GI humor, and uh, a lot of my books have that. Um, but here with Alex, we he made he made Brody and Taylor the two characters more professional. They're a little bit more cerebral and a little bit more professional, and I I appreciated that because I didn't want um, I didn't want to have another John Corey in uniform this time. I tell you, I let him I let him uh, define the uh, the male and female character. I get a I get a kick out of uh, I was interviewing Michael Conley. I'm sure you know Michael Conley, the novelist. I know Michael. Uh, yeah. Harry Bosch and the Bosch, by the way, the Bosch Legacy series is coming out for season two. And I asked him one time, I said, is there a Harry Bosch on the L.A. Police Department? And he hesitated for a second and he said, there's a lot of them that think they are. (laughs) And so I got a kick out of that. Well, well, it's, it's doing well. And I want to tell you. I may never get to Berlin, but I, I want to thank you not only for a good story, Alex, thank you for inserting the twists and turns, but I also thought that it really, I think if a book, and maybe this is just me, if a book makes me pick up a map of Berlin, if it makes me look up whether or not a restaurant really exists, if it makes me look up if this is really a place I think that that's something that even contributes more to the enjoyment of a book. And Bloodlines by both of you, Nelson DeMille and Alex DeMille, was a book that made me just say, I'm going to look this up. I want to see a little bit more about Berlin. I want to um, know a little bit more about the uh, about the wall and about the Stasi and so forth. So I think that in that regard, I would certainly say that for me, it was more than just a good, interesting novel. Final thoughts? Well, thanks, Mike. Uh, I appreciate that. Thanks a lot. Yeah, we. Uh, it's always good. It's always good when uh, the interviewers actually read the book, which I know you always do, and uh, I'm so yes. happy that you you write this one. And uh, it's good to be with you again. I never, Alex. I never have an author on unless I read the book, because I know that on your publicity tour, you're getting asked the same questions a lot that your publicist has put out. God bless them for doing the work. I'm glad they're getting you airtime. But I always like to, uh, um, you'll probably not get asked in the course of these interviews if uh, Scott Brody is really your dad, Alex. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I, 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 freak, Mike, I, really, I appreciate that. I want you to come to Denver on a tour because I'd yeah. love to buy you a beer. I love that. Yeah, I've been to Denver on many yeah. Well, and Alex, you're, yeah. you're certainly welcome as well. All right, folks, that wraps up this segment. The book is called Bloodlines, a Scott Brody and Maggie Taylor novel by Nelson and Alex DeMille, a father-son team. They have collaborated on it. I'm telling you what, you are like all of their books. You are going to enjoy it. We're going to go ahead and take a break on the Mike Boyle Restaurant Show.
right, folks, had a little bit of a technical difficulty there. Sorry, it's 356. I'm Mike Boyle. This is The Restaurant Show. Um, all right, so where were we? Um, a couple of things. First of all, I got, you know, we were talking a little bit about how people are looking for specials. They're looking, trying to save a little bit of money here, a little bit of money there. Um, anyway, I got a message from Dennis and Morrison. Went to A&W on Tuesday. Two Papa Burgers with fries and two fresh-made root beers for 10 bucks. That's $5 each. Their seasoned fries are the best. Only on Tuesday. Um, I like A&W. I like their root beer. And you know what? They've got some great burgers. So I'd have to give this a try. So uh, there's another way for you to save yourself. And you know what? I know that when it's your 25th wedding anniversary or it's your sweetheart's birthday, uh, you want to go out and you want to get yourself a nice big prime age steak. Maybe you want to take advantage of that uh, senior special at um, um, Perry's Steakhouse. But you know, most of the time we're just trying to get through the day. We're just trying to get fed, try to save ourselves a few bucks, maybe have a nice meal at home that uh, enables us to save a few bucks so when we want to go out. Um, in that interview, I mentioned that the Bosch series is continuing. Of course, they had six years of Bosch, six seasons, ten episodes each. And then, um, because now Harry Bosch is leaving the police department, his daughter, Maddie, who's a teenager when the series starts, is now an adult. She joins the LAPD. So Michael Connolly and his other writer-producers uh, came up with a series called Bosch Legacy. And last year, the first season aired. And this year, the second season is airing starting this Friday, uh, Friday, October 20th. And it will be on Freevee TV. I wasn't familiar with that term. F R E E V as in Victor Double E T V. Uh, I threw it out on the air this morning to my Colorado Springs audience, and uh, I got a message from a listener that that is part of Amazon Prime. That is one of the services I subscribe to. So I'm looking forward to this Friday uh, Bosch Legacy Season Two debuts um and uh, you know what with, with with the baseball playoffs I, I really love this time of year the baseball playoffs uh, a lot of college football obviously the broncos play next sunday at home against the green bay packers i probably won't watch as much of it as i would if it was February and we were going through a TV desert, but uh, I, I, when I finally watch it, I know what's going to happen. I know I'm going to binge on it, so uh, I'm going to just have to be a little bit careful, but I want to see it. I know I'm going to enjoy it. Titus Wellliver does a great job as Harry Bosch. All right, we've got an hour in the books. Let's do some news. Coming back, we're going to talk in the next hour with Warren Erpson. I'm going to tell you about a book I read. Uh, we're going to do the travel segment, a lot of stuff as we take you on up into Randy Corcoran at 5 o'clock. I'm Mike Boyle, and this is The Restaurant Show. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.